Welcome to the Getting Heaven Into People podcast. I'm Dave Ripper, a pastor here in New England, and I want to thank you for listening. After two years of the pandemic, almost all of us are hurting in some way, and so many of our churches are reeling. To address the deeply felt need Christians and churches have, I've designed this podcast to invite us to experience deeper healing and freedom over a 40-day journey as we pursue spiritual transformation together. I'm praying today's episode helps you experience greater joy, contentment, and confidence in your life and walk with God. So as you listen, may God's grace and peace be with you. Well, welcome to Getting Heaven in the People. I'm Dave Ripper from Crossway here in Nashua, New Hampshire, and we are on day 27 of a 40-day journey where we are praying about and learning how to cultivate greater spiritual freedom so that God's kingdom may come as heaven gets in the people and churches and our communities. Last time we explored Philippians 3, where Paul writes, This one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. In order to press on toward what is ahead, we have to continually forget what is behind. And if you missed episode 26, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it, even before moving on with this particular episode. But the last time we looked looked at forgetting what is behind, today we want to explore a crucial facet of pressing on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. We are called to press on so that we might join God in spreading kingdom presence. That's a phrase I'd like for you to remember today, spreading kingdom presence. What comes to mind when you just hear that? What invitations arise for you when you think about God inviting you to join him in spreading kingdom presence right where you are? Of all the things that Jesus teaches in his, in his ministry, the subject that he speaks about the most is the kingdom of God or the kingdom of the heavens as Matthew's gospel describes it. Let's listen to a few of these passages before we explore how we might go about spreading kingdom presence. First, Mark chapter 1, verses 14 through 15. Now, after Jesus was arrested, or after John was arrested, rather, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the good news of God and saying, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. Matthew 6, 7-13 When you are praying, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then in this way, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors and do not bring us to the time of trial, but rescue us from the evil one. And finally, Matthew twenty four fourteen. And this good news of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the world as a testimony to all the nations, and then the end will come. Pay attention to how Jesus links good news or gospel with the kingdom. The gospel that Jesus proclaimed 
fundamentally includes this kingdom of God. Just a key question as we think about ministering and sharing faith, are we sharing and inviting people to the same gospel that Jesus himself proclaimed? And what was that gospel? Well, at the root, it was about the kingdom of God. So what's the kingdom? Well, very simply, it's God's reign or it's God's rule. Jesus in his life, death, and resurrection has inaugurated God's kingdom among us and will finish what he started when he returns. This reality is described by theologians as the already not yet kingdom. His kingdom has already come, but it's not yet fully consummated or completed. Dallas Willard famously describes God's kingdom as the range of God's effective rule. It's what God wants done. And mysteriously, God allows many things to occur that are not what he wants to be done for now. But all of us have kingdoms of our own. It's the range of our effective wills. Obviously, a much smaller kingdom than God's. And because kingdom language in our world is really unfamiliar to us, perhaps a couple of illustrations will help. When I had that chance of studying under Dallas, I can vividly remember him asking a woman to borrow her purse. Yeah, he really did that. He said to her, this is an example of her queendom, kind of the feminine usage of kingdom. What's in there is in there because of what she chose to put in it. That's an aspect of her rule. What she wants done in that purse is what's done. Another, and to compare this to something beyond our purses or our wallets or whatever, what we put before our minds or give our attention to or spend our money on to a certain degree is our kingdom. It's what we have say over. Now, since God's kingdom is among us, the great opportunity of your life and my life is to place our kingdom within God's kingdom. We choose the range of our effective will to join God in advancing his kingdom here on earth. Here's a second illustration to kind of emphasize this point and clarify it, hopefully. I've seen this dynamic of uniting our kingdoms to God's being like placing a cup in a saucer. We could liken the cup to our kingdom, and it best fits and belongs to be in the saucer in which it was designed to fit or to sit. In other words, our kingdoms are meant to be part of God's, and we can help that occur, as Jesus says in Mark 1, by repenting. That's rethinking how you're thinking, as we talked about in an earlier episode. It's changing the way we're thinking and acting in light of this grand opportunity of the availability of the kingdom of the heavens among us. And that repenting means placing our kingdom and using our range of our effective will, not for our own sakes, but for Christ and his kingdom, placing our kingdom in his And we can do this at an individual level, but I'd like to talk about what this might look like more collectively. In other words, we don't simply want to get heaven to us individually, but to get heaven into people collectively. And this is what happens through our union of our kingdom with God's. In the foreword to a great book called Renovation of the Church, written by a couple of Dallas's friends, Willard raises these questions in this foreword. How do we present the radical message of Christ in a church 
that has catered to the religious demands of the nominally committed. In other words, if we have gathered people into congregations by appeasing their appetites and desires, how can we help them deal with the fact that their problems in life and character, even in church, are primarily caused by living to get what they want? Some convicting questions, aren't they? In other words, we think that God's kingdom and many of our church situations is designed to help make our kingdoms individually better, but is supposed to be the other way around. So Willard would often ask pastors, are you making disciples or consumers of religious goods and services to help make a shift from consumer Christianity to apprenticeship or discipleship Christianity, Willard would say we need to rethink how we define the measure of success of church. We've allowed numbers and metrics, or the three Bs as some people call them, buildings, budgets, and bodies and seats, or butts and seats as the more irrelevant, uh, or sorry, irreverent of us uh, default to saying. We think these three Bs are what make us as churches and leaders successful or not. But our bodies and budgets and buildings, kingdom building or more empire building? Only God really knows. But rather than these measurements, Willard suggests that kingdom building Christians and kingdom building churches seek a different goal. To go back to this forward, Willard adds one of my favorite of his statements on what we might call an ecclesiology, a theology for the church, a vision for what the church should be about. He writes this, success is redefined by the spread of kingdom presence in the community. Church growth is not just more Christians, but bigger Christians flush with Christ's character. So how might the church be transformed if attendance were not the goal, but spreading kingdom presence? How much different would the church look if we didn't just focus on getting people into the building, but getting heaven in the people? What if we prayed not just for more Christians, but bigger Christians? It's easy to point fingers at others, but if we want to see heaven getting in the people, we've got to start with us. We are called to press on toward this goal. Imagine how Christians and churches might work together instead of sizing one another up. If spreading Christian or kingdom presence in our communities became each of our goals. For this to occur, this must start with our personal transformation. So over the next three days, we'll look at three reliable patterns for genuine Christian spiritual transformation. But for today, I'd like for you to think about how God might be inviting you to spread kingdom presence. And so friends, may we join God in his kingdom spreading mission to get heaven in the people so more people may get into heaven. May his kingdom come. May his will be done in your life, your church, your family, your sphere of influence today as it is in heaven. We'll see you next time.